fucking live. Hi, folks. It's another episode of Brigham Young Money, Thursday, May 18th. And, uh, well, right off the rip, we've got a really special guest. If you haven't, you know, been paying attention, you've been living under a rock, well, TV kind of fucking sucks right now. (laughs) And there is a big reason why. And that is because of the WGA strike and Mm -hmm. to kind of help make sense of it all and break it down and get, you know, that, that insider knowledge that you crave. (laughs) We've brought on our, uh, our unofficial fourth mic and TV writer extraordinaire, Mark Ag. Thanks for hanging out with us in the uh, Brigham Young Money Tech Talk house again. Oh, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, uh, the Rocky Mountain Red Scare, the, uh, <laughs> the Salt, Rocky, Jesus Salt, Salt Lake Sandinistas. I love it. Yeah, oh, there we go. We got <laughs> the Salt Lake Sandinistas. That'd be a shirt at some God, point, that, I think. Listen, if we get a baseball team. <laughs> that would, that would not rock. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in deeply conservative Utah. I would, I, I would, I would end up having a stroke. I think that would go over really well. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> uh, so uh, off the bat, like I, I, I've been a member of the WGA since 2013. Um, I, uh, I mostly work in talk variety and most of the strike stuff is about like narrative scripted stuff, like sitcoms, mm-hmm. movies, dramas. So I, I'm not a spokesman for the guild. I can only tell you the frustrations that writers are feeling that I'm hearing. If that makes me sort of sense. Uh, well, I don't we have, love we love juicy yeah. gossip. We love hearsay. We love being messy. So, gotcha. <laughs> let's uh, let's go yeah. ahead and get into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's been 15 years since the last WGA strike that you know everyone kind of knows about in 2008 because it killed heroes. I think people would say, and also made like a really bad James Bond movie. But generally, like it was really meaningful for the industry. Now that what has really changed since that last strike anyway? Uh, Technology. Um, Basically, like technology creates situations that contracts can't foresee. So it creates loopholes for the people with money to drive a fucking truck through to steal a bunch of money. So it's just that. It's just like, like when a 2007 strike happened, that was before I was in the guild, before my time. But the like there were like two streaming shows at that point. It was like the one, the Kevin Spacey political thing, name I can't remember right now, House of Cards, and like one other thing. And so people saw some of it coming, but like everything pivoting to streaming, no one saw coming. So it just they, they no one thought they would change shit as much as they did. And they did it because it allowed them to steal money. That makes no sort of sense. I mean, steal like it's a business negotiation. All right. Yeah. It gets yeah. really moralistic and, and political because when labor asks for more money in negotiation, it becomes socialism. Whereas if like like uh, if some corporation decides to stop selling a product to another corporation, it's not seen as political. But if you stop selling your labor, it's automatically like communism or something. So, but yeah, it's just a business negotiation, but it is, there is greed and evil involved. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So how much do you think a lot of this is like influenced by the fact that it's not just like the old Hollywood studio system anymore, but also it's like Apple's now in the game. Amazon's in the game. Netflix is essentially just a tech company that (laughs) parades as a media creation platform. 
Like, do you think that just really changed the game as well on top of everything else? It does because it's not their main business. So like Netflix's main business is stealing money from Saudi Arabia. Uh, (laughs) But like Apple cannot make TV for like 20 years and it wouldn't really impact their bottom line because it's just like it's just like a thing you get as a bonus if if you buy an iPhone. Right. And so like it's it's not a big deal to them because they can probably go dark for a while and not care. But also they could also pay and not care. It cuts both ways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how else are we going to get a 20 part docuseries that could have been a hour and a half show about some <laughs> random serial killer in, I don't know, fucking Montana? <laughs> they do the, the weird, the, one of the weird. So, you know how, like, it, in America, it always goes this way where, like, like working people turn against each other. Um, yeah. I've seen so much criticism of like, well, you guys aren't that creative, so you don't deserve, deserve to get money. It's like, but that's not us. Like, that's the stuff they're choosing to make. I've right. got, I've got a bunch of other ideas. Like, if, like I, I don't. What's her name? The lady that directed the Eternals won an Oscar for like an indie movie, and then directed the Eternals. Right. She didn't want to do the Eternals. <laughs> like, I'm, but I'm she like, got the bag. Right. So like, they offered her the next thing they offered her the they the capital T they the people with money. Is like, do you want to direct this Marvel movie? And she's like, yeah, I mean, sure. If I can't, <laughs> if I, if I can't make my next Oscar winning darling that's really creative and from my heart, I will collect a huge check. But that's not her decision. She's not deciding what gets made. It's, 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 a, it's a really frustrating criticism for the rest of us who are running around. Because like Hollywood's obsessed with IP. And I like me personally, not, not, I'm not making this about me, but just like my personal like career situation. I, I don't have a I don't have the, a lawyer who can get IP, so I can't get my own original ideas made because it doesn't have a pre-existing intellectual property. But like intellectual property was original idea at some point. Somebody had the original idea. <laughs> it's just like it's so perverse and fucked up. It's like it, you want only want to make things that already exist, and the writers are getting blamed for that. But it's not like that. That's some lawyer's decision somewhere. It's not like us. But no, yeah. yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying too. But like, also just to bring it back, like to how you said, like th- you have to certain, you're kind of stuck at the whims of a lot of these corporations too. Like, right. I, I think about just every tech billionaire that you see out there, and every person who's like a large part. And thank, thankfully, Twitter Blue kind of raises those uh, profiles of those people too. And you just think, what what is the type of media that these guys want to see? Like, what is the movie that Elon Musk wants to see made? And that thought alone just makes me kind of disassociate for like 10 to 15 minutes. Apparently it's the princess bride. <laughs> no, it's, it, 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 it's, yeah. it's terrible. I just to tell you like the, the environment, like we're sort of working in, like now nah, I can't tell that story. I'll get legal trouble. I'll, I'll tell this story. <laughs> into, uh, we were doing a live like hip hop video talk show here in LA for a long time. It was pretty successful. And we tried to pitch it. It's like mystery science theater, watching old hip hop, hip hop videos. With, like, oh, a I'd theme. be into that. That sounds yeah. rad. With, with like a theme of, it tells a story about American culture and how this fits in. Like, like, like how six, four and Paul became the car West coast hip hop or like, uh, how the 40 ounce became journeyed from being, uh, during the prohibition, um, an upscale sort of drink to being pivoted to sort of selling it to like who they, who the industries, the, 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 you know, rich people saw as poor people. Yeah. Um, and, and like we were talking to like the production company guy 
And he goes, this is like 2017. He goes, I mean, does anyone really listen to hip hop anymore? And <laughs> literally the biggest genre in America. Right. And, and I was like, I don't, these are the people making decisions and it's really frustrating, but also it's like, I, I don't know how to talk to them, but also we have to talk to them. Right. Um, and work with them. So it's just, it's very weird. <laughs> I mean, I think that's where like AI comes in the conversation too, is because like, it's the type of people that think that like you could make a, a screen, uh, a, like a screenplay using like chat GPT or something like that, just by putting in the prompts. And it's just the most like, garbled garbage you could ever see like it's a c minus social studies paper it's my usually. new film it's called facts and logic <laughs> that's it's, the oh yeah. thank you that, next question that, that i actually referenced that tweet in our outline too because it's like yeah. the ben shapiro one that's like yep they're screwed as it's like an outline of a screenplay he put into a prompt that yeah. essentially reads like a 1980s hr video dude the ai stuff is so insane because it it can't work it, it can't work, but if it did work, it'd be bad. But that's a, the, the real danger is not that it'll work. It's that they'll try it and it'll destroy our business in like a uh, pivot to video kind of way. Yeah. Like it, they'll, they'll try it for like two years. It'll collapse everything. The people who are in charge of everything, the private equity, the venture capital people, will because their job is just pushing numbers around mm -hmm. on a piece of paper. Right. We'll move on to the next thing where they push around numbers on a piece of paper and we'll be left in the wake of it with nothing and trying to redevelop the te television and film business with no institutional knowledge of how to make stuff. And because they will have chased everyone out of the business. And it's like that that's the this. Like, so with the railroad, when, when the Biden administration broke the railroad strike in December, there was a big element of it. There was like, we're trying to save this industry from themselves because the private equity ghouls that run it yeah. are like, we're trying, like we're trying to tell you that what you're doing is dangerous. It will cause more derailments. It will cause more accidents, which will cost you money. We're literally trying to save you money and you will not listen. And they're like, Nope, we don't care. Cause this is December. We'll get our quarterly bonus at the end of the year. And whatever happens next quarter is the next ghouls business. Right. And then East Palestine happens. And everyone's like, oh, I see what happened here. So this isn't a thing where people will die. I mean, I'll die. I'll starve to death. No one cares. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, it won't be an act. It won't be like a toxic spill. You know what I'm saying? So people should probably care less. But it's just an, it's a thing that every industry is going to have to confront is the fact that the people in charge don't have an idea for what happens 15 minutes from now. It's all yeah. about... Yeah. Next quarter's bonuses and then we all leave. And, and yeah. Yeah, it's certainly not about any sort of like artistic vision or anything like that, too. It's not it's not Robert Evans leading Paramount <laughs> just because he wants to make a really good picture. It's right. it's how many people at like Netflix can get people to watch thirty minutes of an Adam Sandler movie before they finally just check out. Right. But, and and like it's like a and Netflix's business model is to like like I, I joked about earlier is to launder money from like like it's like it's like Quibi was the same thing. We all yeah, exactly. To, we all try to get a cut of it, so I'm not complaining. But you're laundering venture capital money into your own idea, and if you extract money from those morons, I'm fine with it. But like one of the, a big element of this is like they don't want to pay residuals, so they won't tell us streaming data right about who's watching what and i get it because i it, i don't know if you guys watch succession um but the whole thing with like uh, uh 
the the uh, uh, what's his name? The uh, Swedish actor guy. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, Skarsgård. I can't remember which one uh, it is. Alexander Skarsgård. There you his, go. Yeah. His, apparently, whatever streaming platform he runs has a bunch of juice subscriber numbers from India, and they're like, "Well, that might make sense if it had two Indias, right?" Yeah. And so, like, they don't want to tell, which makes me suspicious that if they told how many people are actually watching the streaming platforms, their stockholder value, would, like their stock value, would plummet. Fine. I don't need to snitch on you to the public. Just let us participate in your grift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's what it's about, though. Like every, like you just want like a seat at the table, like a piece of the pie, correct? Yeah, it's like not even a big piece. It's like three percent of profits, not net revenue. Profits. Jesus. It's, it's just like it, it, it's it, so the Writers Guild is the more militant of the, all the Hollywood. Uh, all, Maybe the most militant, although the like the Teamster unions, like the IATSE and whatever, yeah. are probably more physically violent. And I cheer that on. <laughs> uh, but an element of this is the Writers Guild always goes first because um, we're the more militant of the three creative unions, the big ones I'm thinking of, like Directors Guild and Screen Actors Guild, mm-hmm. um, because probably because we get treated the worst. And I mean, treated the worst usually in the comically hilarious ways or like funny anecdotes, like. Um, a buddy of mine through marriage wrote like a really successful, like billion dollar, like comic book movie. Uh-huh. And he, uh, they had a, like, a really buzzy premiere at Comic-Con and he went to it. And not only was he not on the panel, they forgot to give him tickets to set the audience to watch the premiere of his own movie. Uh, uh, that's just funny. It doesn't matter. He's, he's doing well, but like, like I worked on a show once where like we'd shoot like two days a week and write and write the other three and they locked up the bottled water on non shoot days. So the writer writers wouldn't run through the water budget. <laughs> the water like, budget. Yes. Yes. As if you can't just go to Costco. A bottle of water is like 75 cents if you buy a 24 pack. I don't know, but also yeah. you could just install a water fountain. There's lots yeah. of workarounds here. You could give us cups. We go to the bathroom. They didn't do any of that shit. <laughs> it's like they didn't want to spend on any of it. It's like it's so unbelievable. It, it's 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 like I I do want to say that like I understand that like because of a lot of public reception stuff, we're not we're not a sympathetic working class. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of like you. And that's for a lot of reasons, like both our own fault and also not our own fault. Like one, one thing Hollywood is really good at is making shit look good. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so I'm, I'm just, I'm not talking about like makeup artists and like plastic surgery and hormones and people that are 80 looking 40. I'm talking like, also like if you watch the Oscars, if you pivot from the front of the theater, it looks super glamorous, right? The red carpet and all that. Mm-hmm. But if you pivot left, uh 20 degrees you'd see a hooters and a stack of homeless people all yeah. right so like i i worked on i worked on a show once it was the same office they shoot like watch what we watch what happened lives at watch what happened lives the set at that point at least was in front of the elevator bay in the lobby but if you watch from tv it looks like a nice tv set yeah it's just like so everyone every actor you'll see on instagram is living a fancier life on instagram than they are in real life mm-hmm. because they're trying to live the part so like they're not as rich as you think they are. None of it. None of nobody is. And like another reason, like we're not a sympathetic working class. Part of it's propaganda. Like I, some of the propaganda floating around is like twelve thousand members of the WGA or whatever, uh, out of whom maybe like twenty five hundred are working at a given moment maximum. Um, and the studio's floating this propaganda. The average WGA WGA writer makes two hundred fifty grand a year. 
And I was like, dog, are you averaging me with JJ Abrams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's a large <laughs> there's a large spectrum there right me and dick wolf aren't hanging out in the same fucking boat what are you talking about i've never i've had some lean years and good years I've, I, I can tell you honestly i've never made that much in a year in my entire life um and not 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 close i don't think i've come within 25 percent, 20 percent, and so the bad years are zero <laughs> yeah uh and so like it's like i, I it's hard to like contextualized because our, our, our jobs aren't like regular do you remember when like um gina carano got canceled yes yeah <laughs> all right and conservatives got really mad about that but it's like anyone who worked in their business looked at that i was like we all get fired all the time for really arbitrary reasons i've mm-hmm. been fired every job i've ever had before ended arbitrarily somebody just decided that it ended somebody decided i should leave somebody decided whatever it's it's their it's their call her contract ran out. They didn't bring her back. That's all that happened. And it, you, you can guess the reasons why, but you'll never know the reasons why. She doesn't know the reasons why. It could have been the QAnon shit. It could have been she's a bad actress. I don't know. And like, but everyone else, to, to people in other industries, look, she got fired, but just her contract ran out. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now she gets to do films where uh, Joe Biden sniffs her hair. Like it's, it's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, she made that Western for Daily Wire or whatever. Where like, oh, man. Everyone got mad at her for being woke because she because the woman was a star of it. I was like, oh, you didn't understand what you pivoted into. That's oh, man, you did not Sucks understand your suck. audience for that one. <laughs> yeah, She could have had the, the, the bag of all bags. She could have got that Star Wars money. Yeah, but I, I think I know what you're talking about, too, when you say like writers in general and WGA members aren't necessarily the most like sympathetic group of like strikers ever to be to to say that too because everyone just thinks like oh it's everyone's just liz lemon on the line or something like that it's like oh, okay right. and, we, like, and, we, and that's, that's 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 part of it's their own fault too because if you look the, the the pictures that go viral from the picket lines are like jason sudeikis yeah and uh and it's like i i, I appreciate the support but it misleads people about what the rank and file are actually going through because he's not it, another reason wa is a weird union is we're in the same union as our bosses <laughs> right because yeah, it's also the producers union too right right so like like the showrunners in the same guild like like jj abrams and joe dick wolf are in the same union as me they have different they have tremendously different interests than i do yes <laughs> uh and, and, and the whole negotiations are what we call like what's called the nba the minimum basic agreement which is just the minimum they're so far off the minimums nothing that would happen in here would affect them except the ai stuff and that's really where the studio is fucked up is they unified everybody with the AI bullshit because the AI will also replace J.J. Abrams and Steven Spielberg and Dick Wolf. <laughs> yeah. So, That's yeah, not a yeah. world I want to live in, man. Yeah, an, an AI can do a lens flare, but like it really is kind of like a ma- microchasm of America too because like no matter what, it's it's an industry that's trying to extract labor wealth from its from its workforce as much as humanly possible right. to the point where they can just make it just inexistent. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, it's perfect. Like, no matter what your job is, whether you're like an Amazon, an Amazon warehouse worker who just puts boxes inside of a truck and all that too, Amazon's trying to get a robot to do the same exact thing they, they're trying to do. And there's no right. different here too with AI and all that. If they can figure out something that writes out, uh, writes out an AI script to keep 250,000 people on Netflix to watch, they'll do it. So like, this is to stop that. It, it's also like, like the best case scenario for AI was like, it would be like, so 
the answer, when I say the ad stuff won't work, it also won't work legally or profit wise. No. Because they, even if it worked perfectly writing scripts, all right, they seem to think that it's free. But like the beta versions are free right now because they're testing it. Whoever owns those AI companies is not going to have them write billion dollar Marvel movie scripts and not want a fucking cut that's way less than what they're giving the writer. So it's it's stupid on a bunch of ideas because that 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 billion dollar company is a better lawyer than the writer would. Unless right. it's JJ, but not, I, mean, I, I keep bringing up JJ Abrams like we should on it. I don't mean to Scientologist, whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but also like AI works aren't copyrightable. I don't know if people understand this. Like, there's been a bunch of there are lawsuits already because like the AI imaging stuff just stole stuff from Getty Images and Getty is suing them right now. Right. And they can't copyright them for because they didn't own the original work product. There's a, there was a court case decided today about like paintings, you know, like Andy Warhol paintings. And they're like, no, you can't that you can't copyright that because you base new Andy Warhol paintings the robot made on Andy Warhol's existing paintings. And like so, what they're accidentally doing is legalizing um, piracy of their fucking work product. And like so, they're not even going to make money off of it. This is the stupidest VC bro idea in history, <laughs> and they're burning an industry down over it. It it it, it can't. Even if it made a good script, which it can't, because like there's no, they're trying to replace actors. So one of the reasons the writers, so sorry, I'm I'm, I'm up thoughts all over the place. So um, the writer's contract was up first, and calling it a strike's almost a misnomer because what it really is is the lockout, because the studios didn't even counter our offer. It was like, we want to sell you our labor for X price. They didn't counter with Y or even say, let's stick with the counter, the status quo. They walked away. They forced a strike. They didn't even say what they, the, number they would, the numbers they would take would be. Um, and part of that, so there's like two reasons. One is the Directors Guild, the Screen Actors Guild are up. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild is voting on a strike tonight. All right. Uh, my wife's a member. She voted to strike. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, the, the the actors guild hasn't voted for stri- to strike in 37 years i think yeah. because usually things are going pretty well for actors mm-hmm. but they're not going well for actors anymore people are like getting his what would classically be considered their routine roles in in, in in uh in productions demoted like um there's a cbs sitcom called stump somebody loves ibishola i can't think of the name of the shirt i don't watch it bob hart's Ib- ibishola um they demoted like 70% of their cast from like recurring stars to like guest stars. It's a huge pay to drive. They just like, you, you guys can be, de- you guys can be demoted or fucking fired. And they're like, I guess we'll be demoted. So they just lost like half their yearly income. Awesome. And it's a good, it's a good yearly income, but it's like less than what was historically considered fair. Jeez. Um, so like, it's just like, so they're going to vote to strike. I assume by an overwhelming margin. Um, even like, tell me how we're not a sympathetic work class. Even when someone's historically fucked, they're super wealthy a lot of times, so no one feels sorry for them. Like there was a, uh, during COVID when m- movie theaters closed, uh, I say during COVID like it's over, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so HBO Max just put Black Widow on Max instead of like releasing the theaters. Now Scarlett Johansson was like, but most of my fee was in back end points based on ticket sales. And you're not, I'm not getting a cut of these $20 rentals. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, your con talk about how they drive uh, technology creates holes to drive trucks through. They're like, well, the contract doesn't say you get a cut of that. She had to sue them and she won 
Nobody feels sorry for Scarlett Johansson. I'm just using her example of how they what they're doing to the rest of us routinely. Um, it's just like Lucy moving the football all the time, and like people are fed up. Like we had a the writers go strike though was like 98 percent with like 80 percent participation. The 20 percent who didn't participate, I assume, either retired or have moved home and given up. And so- when can you get 98% of people to agree on any fucking thing? (laughs) So it's just nickel and diming all the way down the line. Right. Yeah. Insane. For um, like billion dollar studios with just like heaps of cash. Yes. There's still, that's the important thing to note. They're still making a bunch of money. They're not making as much money as wall street wants them to make, but that's not a real thing. That's not, that's not real stakes. That's fake. That's fake growth. That's fake stock market bullshit. Right. So, and they're burning like, I don't know, the last number I saw was like $30 million a day. And they've been giving the writers everything the guild asked for, which is no one expects them to give everything. It's negotiation. If they give the writers everything they asked for, it would have been a total of like $430 million over a, over the course of a year. So in two weeks, we've already basically passed the point, the money they, they, they could have paid and kept going. So now it's, it's like, just out of spite? It I, I have... The extent to which this shit's ideological is like weird to me because business people are supposed to be rational. Yeah. But every I've been a part of so many negotiations that turned to start to feel ideological. Like, let me, let me give a case in point. I was working on a show that was, uh, it, it was like, there are gaps sometimes in union contracts. They're hard to explain, but a lot of like your cable talk shows are non-union mm-hmm. and they give you a producer title and it's like, oh, if you're writing jokes in a Google doc instead of a script in final draft, he's not really a writer. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, so the show was non-union and a writer joked about us unionizing once after being asked to like stay after on a Friday or something. And they called an all hands meeting the next Monday <laughs> Jesus, to, to explain to us that it would double the show's budget if we unionized. And it was like, there were like six writers in the show and I knew what the budget was and I had a rough idea what everyone being paid. And I was like, we're currently 1% of the budget and you're telling us if we unionize, we will go from being 1% of the budget to 199% of the budget. And <laughs> that doesn't, I, I, I'm yeah, not that math is not mathing. Right. And they're like, we will, if you unionize, we will cancel the show. And I was like, okay, so this is just, you don't need the money from this show. So you will fuck us out of spite and make less money on purpose just to keep the show from union. It's, it's wow. like, it's, it's so weirdly, it's such a weird, everyone thinks that Hollywood is left wing, but it's like the most libertarian fucking marketplace. Yeah. On the planet. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're, so tell me what they're going for with this strike. It's like, I guess they were hoping the director's guild and the screen actors guild would, wouldn't fall in line and they'd be able to, um, you know, just break all the unions because that's really what the AI part of the fight's yeah. about mm-hmm. is if, because the dream, their dream is not to completely eliminate humans. It's like what you do is you have a showrunner, you have the AI, you have a writer's assistant. And they, it's the AI, the, so the AI turns out shit. The, the showrunner re- rewrites by himself with the help of the writer's assistant. And then he kills himself. And then <laughs> the show exists. And it, it, it's, there's it, it, it there's not enough money going into like the union like health funds and pension funds to keep the union alive so it dies yeah. and then we're all broken that seems to be their hope 
It won't it, again. It won't work, but it's it, it's a really no. stupid plan, poorly executed. No, because it, it seems like every union's kind of like galvanizing around this too. Like the DGA uh-huh. is in there, like negotiating window right now for their contract. So at a certain right. point, like they're not going to budge too much. And like the Teamsters and IATSA is like honoring the picket lines, and SAG's gonna gonna strike. So it, it's it's they've done the opposite. They've brought them all together. It's the opposite thing that happened in two thousand eight. If if I like if, if the career path goes away for me, I probably end up like pushing grocery carts or something, which is fine. That was always going to end up that way. But if, um, if think if you're an actor, like James Earl Jones sold his voice to Lucasfilm to do um, uh, Darth, Darth Vader. Vader and Perpetuity. Now he probably his good lawyers they probably put they could just use it for Darth Vader. But imagine if you're if you're an actor with weaker lawyers, what they would have your voice doing. You you'd be Darth Vader anime porn cute that Alexa would queue up. Um, the the real end point of this, if it works, is you walk in your apartment and you go like, um, Alexa, put on an episode of Euphoria where I'm doing a sex scene with Sydney Sweeney. Now imagine if Sydney Sweeney's lawyers didn't specifically preclude that from a contract, right? Uh, sorry, my Alexa, my Alexa started talking to me because I said Alexa. Um, <laughs> this isn't my example, but someone had this horrifying example. You walk in and go, I would like to watch a remake of Malcolm X where Tom Hanks plays Malcolm X and he's fighting <laughs> for the rights of white people. And that horrified me for a lot of reasons, but probably the last on the list is the fact that neither Tom Hanks nor Denzel Washington or whoever directed the movie or their actors in the movie, the writer of the movie, mm-hmm. probably aren't getting paid. Also, that's a shit movie. Why would you want to watch it? But fucking assholes would do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be Matt Walsh's favorite movie. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think we've already gotten beyond that point, too, because, like, I, I think Star Wars is the perfect example, too, because you've seen Disney films go and grave rob Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher to make sure they're in the films, too. It's just like at a certain point, it's just unseemly to make sure that even after you die, you still belong to LucasArts and Disney. There's like I feel I feel at the time when that happened I didn't feel so negatively about it because it was like those are legacy characters they want the characters like I know you're saying it's like the Tupac hologram does Tupac want his hologram yeah Uh, I I was at Coachella when that happened and it felt very weird right it's 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 all it's like Woody nobody's at Tupac's not around to ask him what if he wanted to do the game right yeah right. Um, but the fact that like every Netflix, there's a thing that went viral today. Every Netflix contract right now is asking their actors to send their rights away in perpetuity. But like, <sighs> what you're asking for, the Directors Guild is probably safe from this because someone still has to tell an animator how to make the robot look. But like, actors make actors look. I, I'm I'm married to an actor. I love her. Actors are annoying as shit. All right, <laughs> they they are. They're crazy people. But they do make choices that contribute to creative projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's also a writer. She was working for a production company that just made a Nicolas Cage film. And they're raving about awesome Nicolas Cage's because he shows up every day having memorized all of his lines, knowing all the pages, which a lot of, you know, whatever, it, right, actors are annoying. The, uh, but he made different choices every take. So the director had a ton of, a ton of, a ton of options in post. A robot can't make different choices. Right. Like, can't, I can't be creative. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like I use I use AI quite a bit in my, you know, bullshit email job. 
And like, it's great for mundane tasks, you know? And like, if you just need some facts or like some like BS, like newsletter copy, that's Mm. just, you know, basic facts on a piece of paper, but it is absolutely incapable of creative thinking at any sort of level. It's just, it's a plagiarism machine. That's all it is. That's all it it is. It scans other, it scans previously created stuff. And like, of course, everyone borrows and mimics and mm-hmm. learns from, from previous stuff, but like you, you do your own twist on it. And I just finished the first season of the, uh, this Peacock show called Miss Davis this morning, which mm-hmm. I highly recommend. And the, the whole show is co-created by David Lindelof and this woman who wrote for Big Bang Theory, I think. But it's like this nun who joins a resistance against the AI that runs humanity. And the whole show is both an explicit and meta fight against AI in a way that really, seems really prescient. But the last episode, I won't, don't want to spoil it because I do want people to watch it, but like the reveal of what the AI is actually up to is so fucking stupid. And when the nun played by Betty Gilpin finds out the original mission, she's like, that's so fucking stupid. And the woman who wrote the, co- wrote the code goes, yeah, algorithms are fucking stupid. They're stupid. <laughs> they yeah. don't, they can't think. They just repeat stuff they've heard. Yeah. Yeah, and like every single time, I swear a lot of the stuff that's been blowing up AI is like, oh, it's dangerous. Oh, it's going to take over the world. It's just because either people watch Terminator way too many times or it's people trying to pump up its value. So the same way they did with like crypto and NFTs and all that. Like it feels, yeah, Yeah. it feels like something that's they're trying to make a buck off. They're trying to do a pump and dump just like Mm -hmm. they did with crypto. Yeah, but the danger is that people believe the sales pitch. It's yeah, like, right. like Scott, like the guy selling Skynet made a ton of money. The person who bought it was a neoliberal idiot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. And like you, you, you see this, especially with AI and all that too. Like, and you hear all the news stories like, oh, wow, it, it aced the LSAT and the MCAT. Like, yeah, those are standardized tests with predicted answers. Like you it's the great MCAT at with that. The answers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's great at that. It's not good at doing any sort of, any sort of work that requires any sort of nuance or feelings because it's a robot. It cannot do that. It cannot pass a Turing test no matter how many times you want it to. So, yeah. so it's, it's amazing to see. So the, one of the reasons I brought up Ms. Davis is the writer's room for that built in AI and they they let it name the in the, the names of the episodes, and if you like the pilot, for example, is called like uh, the way of water colon the way of the horse or some shit. It doesn't even do with the next. <laughs> it's like complete fucking nonsense. It's explicitly like you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're 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 putting a moron machine, and like when talking about the plagiarizing machine, it's not just plagiarizing good stuff. It's plagiarizing the entire internet. That's why, like, Google, was it Google's uh, AI that went public like five years ago? Immediately became like really racist because yeah. it was reading Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. Like, if if your if your robot just ingests nothing but like Twitter, Facebook, and Nextdoor, like, yeah, it's going to become a Nazi. Like, it's, right. it's dude. I want I want a Nextdoor AI so bad. <laughs> oh, buddy, that would be like zero to Hitler in no time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would go from like check out my my shrubbery to like we need to execute all homeless people within the next twenty four hours. Now, I had a really I was on next door for like a month one time and then left it forever. But it was like my old neighborhood in uh, in in L A in the valley, and uh, there was like a homeless guy living in our neighborhood sleeping in his truck. 
and there were always like conspiracy theories about him. And I went and talked to him. And he was a guy who had lived in the neighborhood before. He's from North Carolina. And he had met his wife in California. And they moved back to North Carolina. And she had died. And oh, he had God. spent all, all of his money on her medical care and lost his house. And so he came back to the neighborhood they lived in to feel close to her and was sleeping in his truck. And he was like mowing lawns in the neighborhood for some money and would just grab a beer from the corner store and stand by his truck and drink at it. And you could walk up to him and talk to him if you wanted. And I talked to him for like two minutes and I felt perfectly safe. And nobody else in the next door bothered to do that. It's, yeah, right, it's, it's all it's a speculation app that just feeds everybody's worst fears and impulses. Yeah. I, you know, I still have my next door account. I have, I still have it set from the avenues just because that's where I lived before I moved a couple of years ago. And mm -hmm. like, and that's like kind of a more opulent area of Salt Lake, essentially. And like you, every single one, she was like a suspicious car drove by. It's like a gray car drove by. What? It's, it's the city, man. Like there's going to be cars. There's going to yeah. be people like you're going to experience some sort of people in your day to day life. Yeah, I saw one where the one lady was like, this guy, this, this person drives by my house the same time every day. Are they casing the joint? And somebody responded like, have you considered that's when they go to work? <laughs> <laughs> he drives by every day at 8 and comes back at 5.30. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Jesus, man. So I, stupid. I hate this shit so much. <laughs> uh well, uh, Mark, uh, for all of us who don't live in New York and L.A. who want to call Bob Iger a pig to his face, um, what is a way that we can help support the unions if you have any possible way? Um, people have asked me that. There's like strike funds for like people that are actually financially struggling. I'm actually fine. The show I work on, we're on summer hiatus anyway, and I was, I was planning on being off the summer, so there's nothing. I'm cool for the next few months. <laughs> uh uh, but yeah, there's strike funds. I, I saw people saying to cancel their streaming platforms, but I have to have something to watch while I'm on strike. So I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, I don't know what my $8 would send to Warner Brothers anyway, what, my, what, my, what Signal would send. Uh, their stock prices are down because production is being shut down. If you guys don't know, like one of the reasons the strike's incredibly stupid, they, they seem to think they could keep shooting stuff that had already been written. But when you're in a production, like you were literally stopped for five minutes if a helicopter's within like 20 miles. Mm -hmm. So like one person with a whistle can shut down a television production. It, it's like the sound has to be perfect. And people are just doing that. And it's called, they're like, oh, we did. the people in charge not knowing how anything works is amazing. Ter terrible, but also redounding to our benefit. <laughs> God, it's, it's like, like it's like a fucking arrested development like scene. Yeah. Three like I think it was three people in New York shut down a, a shoot for billions, which the actors and crew don't want they don't want to be crossing the picket line, but they're right. expected to show up and it's like so you're giving them an excuse to walk off by 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 showing up and yelling. But like three people shut down a billions location shoot. They lost like $200,000 because three people were walking around singing a, like a, a ditty or whatever. It's like, <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. It's like, you, you can't win. There's too, it, it, it's, it's too easy for chaos Muppets to fuck with your shit. And it's I'm, just, 
We're gonna start a barbershop quartet. We'll get we'll get us three and uh, we'll get Kyle in here. Us, you know, so we'll have four of us and we'll uh, we'll shut down Hollywood. The, the most if, annoying direct action in the history of labor. If, if the Screen Actors Guild is on the picket line, it's going to get so fucking annoying. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> a bunch of theater kids. Yeah, they're going to the- do ham. They're gonna do Hamilton on the fucking picket line. It's gonna be awful. <laughs> yeah. the theater, the theater God, kids. They're gonna the bring back newsies for real. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, theater kids and a bunch of like wannabe Aaron Sorkins. It's gonna be amazing. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. So yeah. a March day and night by the big cooling tower. They have the plans, but we have the power. So a March day Anyway, speaking of films, who here likes The Insider? That's my favorite Michael Mann film. Is it? Yeah, I enjoy it. It's a good movie. It's Russell Crowe, right? That's the, yeah, yeah, it's Russell a really Crow good movie. The, as Doctor. Yeah. Anyway, this is kind of similar, except for instead of like someone putting a bullet in Russell Crowe's uh, mailbox, it's just the whiniest people online and also a church that's also really whiny. <laughs> So anyway, last Sunday, uh, 60 Minutes aired an interview that I conducted with David Nielsen, a former investment advisor for the church's finance arm, Enzyme Peaks. Nielsen alleged that the church had used funds, including tithing, to pay for the City Creek Mall and to bail out the church's for-profit insurance company, Beneficial Life. Uh, in his whistleblower submission to the IRS, he also showed that the church had $32 billion dispersed among numerous shell companies to hide the amount of wealth the church had accumulated, which Jeez. to me is... That, that's a lot. That is a lot. I, that's too much money, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, when, the, the, when the Catholic Church was paying out all the pedophile pedophilia settlements and like, well, they just sold $9 billion of real estate in California. It's like, wait, they had $9 billion of real estate in California? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the church is, I mean, I think the Mormon church is probably up there too. Like that's a lot of money for them as well. Because mm-hmm. they have a lot of real estate in California, especially Southern California. Um, the church's response to all this was, quote, it's unfortunate 60 minutes sought to elevate a story based on unfounded allegations by a former employee who has a different view on how the church should manage its resources. It should be noted the church paid a $5 million fine for all of this to the Security and Exchange Commission, and four of which came directly from Enzyme Peaks and one from the church directly. So, like, it's kind of hard to say, like, the whole, like, unfounded allegations thing when you had to pull out the checkbook for it. But this stuff. Sorry, go ahead. Oh sorry. no, you go ahead. I so I southern part of Southern Virginia I grew up in is near uh, Lynchburg, which is where the Fallwells are based. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Um, and I have like people I went to high school with that go to uh, the, the the Fallwells Church. I'm blank. Is it Liberty? Liberty University. Yeah, Liberty yeah. University. Liberty, Liberty University. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the name of their church. It's not anyway. I'm blanking right now. But I saw conversations on Facebook when. Uh, Jerry Jr. got caught embezzling and you know stealing money. They basically turned the school into a, like a real estate hedge fund, mm-hmm. and he was like doing real estate scams to pay guys to fuck his wife. And the, and people were like, "Oh, the liberal media is out to get him." And I'm like, "But the accusers in the story are members of the church and people that work at the college and students at the college who are saying they're covering up rape accusations. To like, they're asking for help. They're, these are your fellow believers." who are asking for help because they see crooked shit going on and you're coming down the side of power 
Yeah. And it's like, it, 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 so something that's what shook my faith when I'm no longer like remotely religious. Uh-huh. It's like what the, the, the people who are raising these red flags are probably devout Mormons. Yeah. And they're yeah. asking for help. They're asking for oversight. And you're like, yeah. nope, the church is all knowing. Yeah. Like David Nielsen seems like a guy like for many, from all indications, he seemed like he was a very religious guy who was kind of dumbfounded by what the church does with its money, which is saying <laughs> something to say at least like, and like, unlike the Falwells and all that too, like it feels like the church just accumulates wealth just to accumulate wealth. Like, yeah. I, that's, that's the thing. Like I know that they have this big real estate empire and they've got stock and you know, they, they have their, their fingers in a lot of different things, but like this fund does seem like it's just there for the sake of accumulating money. Yeah. I mean, like the, it's the, the, the rainy day, like last day book of revelations fund. To, to what I always wanted, like to what end? Because right, the nominal reason a church would accrue money is to spend it helping poor people in to convince them to convert to your religion. Right, which is a mixed bag, but at least some poor people get helped. Yeah, right. I mean, that's um, generally the thing. Like you, you would assume that would be the case as well, too. But like. The, the like the LDS church talks about how it spent a billion dollars in 2022, but then like only gave the accounting, like the sum total they accounted for inside of its like disclosures on it was somewhere around like $64 million. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, where's the other $936 million going to? And that's just for humanitarian aid. So, I mean, and also the fact that you're caught like shuffling around a bunch of money through a bunch of shell corporations too, makes me feel like I can't trust your numbers until i can see your books right (laughs) it's it's really strange like that but yeah like you bring up the Falwells, and i can understand like jerry jr like having cuck fantasies with his wife and all that like at least that's doing something with the money i don't understand (laughs) doing nothing with the money except for just like trying to have it like stack up in a bank account right yeah my numbers go burr yeah that's psycho behavior like like Furs and, and furs and like Rolls Royces. I get that. Like that's material possessions. Like you do that, but like just having it sit in a vault. No, that's, that's, that's weird. But yeah. anyway, it's I, really, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say like, I don't, I, I can't understand rich people thinking at all. This is like none. It's, it's, it's beyond my realm of thinking. I, I, I've never had to split more bar tabs with anyone than rich people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of that kind of comes into as well. Like the church runs like a bunch of C-suite executives instead of like either clergy or even like the Falwells who will do all sorts of fun, obscene things with their wealth. Like, like if I see that picture of like <laughs> president Russell M. Nelson, the leader of the church, like vacuuming his living room again, I'm going to go insane because it doesn't really prove anything except for uh well you know he's just a man of the a man of the people yeah like i it's it's like jordan when we had alice on and she was just talking about how swagless mormons are very <laughs> and like yeah i want to see some like i would have so much more respect for the church if they went like full righteous gemstones <laughs> yeah or even you, like half not even full full righteous gemstones like half righteous gemstones like something other than like a suit that donald trump would have worn in like the 1980s 
Use that $150 billion you have. Take full advantage of the NCAA's NLI policy now and bring a championship to BYU. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do that. <laughs> That'd be a better use of the money than whatever they're doing with it because right. a, a, sense, a lot of the kids they'd be paying to come to school would be poor. Yeah, so. they would actually like be doing something that's actually like humanitarian for it too. Yeah. But anyway, there's this article by Jacob Hess and Hal Boyd from the Desert News, and once again, we're reaching into the Desert News because <laughs> God, we are sad people who would love to give them. Can I can I ask a stupid question? Because like yeah, this sure. podcast, this podcast is how I learned that it's pronounced Deseret because I was assumed it was Desiree. <laughs> that's it's, too fancy for us. Desiree, right. no, that Desiree is like. That's still a name you'll hear every now and again, but it's usually yeah. spelled D-E-S, like E-R-E-E, or like D-E-S-I-R-E-E -E or something like that. But yeah, the way yeah. that D-E-S-E-R-E-T is is Deseret, which yeah. I like have been Mormon and or Mormon adjacent my entire life, and I still don't really understand what that means. I, I do want to tell you that uh, before we came on, I was uh, at a bar watching the Lakers game uh, mm -hmm. with a buddy of mine, and he I was like, "Oh, I got it. I got to be back by by eight o'clock to do this podcast." So, what podcast are you doing? And it's like I was trying to explain what the podcast was. Like, oh, they're ex Mormon, like military vet, like left it. He, he was like, "Oh, just tell them that my favorite content on the internet is ex Mormons on OnlyFans." So, I just to <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> we're, 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 we're got, honestly as the way things are going that's probably like our fourth or fifth, big, <laughs> fifth biggest uh, export of the state yeah. so um I, I was gonna say that greg was about to pivot to it <laughs> yeah i'm gonna actually i'm starting what's what's called only dads and it's just <laughs> it's just me doing chores around my house and charging people eight dollars a month it, nice. We'll get to the adult content once we figure out the whole VPN thing and try yeah, to make right. sure we it's, can it's get It's really hard state. in Utah right now. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. All right. So in this article that's just titled, what, what's behind America's media unhealthy fixation on, quote, Mormons, Inc.? $150 billion. TLDR. $150 billion you hid in a series of shell corporations like like Jeffrey Epstein trying to hide wealth for like Les Wexler or something. <laughs> yeah come to Speaking find which, out the mormon church was actually funding uh noam chomsky's research <laughs> <laughs> oh man poor noam he's God, had a week God. you know i thought at least he'd die before he was disgraced but man god 90, just whew. 93 couldn't get under the line that sucks that yeah. sucks a lot Did anyway I I uh, I only found out recently that the CIA was funding the Dalai Lama, it's like the sixties and seventies, and so like I was like, so wait, when I was banging my head to like Rage Against the Machine doing a free Tibet concerts in the nineties, I was yeah. in a CIA op and I didn't know it. <laughs> I, I, I felt apparently. I felt this I felt the same way when it went to one of the 50 uh, Scorpions farewell tours. Um, <laughs> oh, the winds have changed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> in, the, in the broadcast aired Sunday, the CPS television program, 60 Minutes recycled four years of complaints about how the Church Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints handles its finances. Most of the questions raised already have rather banal answers, which we'll discuss below. But plain responses tend not to capture the attention and drive TV ratings, especially during sweeps periods, parentheses, like this month. 
does sweep still exist? Like, I don't think sweeps have really existed since like the seventies. Anyway, broadcast, but yeah. But the media's unusual enduring fascination with Latter-day Saint finances has extended over the better part of a century, begging the question, is the goal of these similar media treatments to elucidate a misunderstanding, a misunderstood faith tradition, or instead to further stoke public misgivings? I, I think the public misgivings are kind of created when you don't, when you're a a church that's supposed to operate under a nonprofit framing but you somehow managed to get $150 billion in wealth. That, that feels yeah. like something that would stoke public misgivings. But Yeah, but I also understand why they're confused because of the banality of evil thing where it's like, mm-hmm. how can you call it a conspiracy when it's on the front page of the business paper? Right. You know, it's like, it's like because it is. It fucking is. You're stolen, you're stolen these billions of dollars. You're hoarding it. Yeah, like... Like at a certain point, it's a moral question whether or not, like it's not a legal question because no one's going to go to jail. No one's going to get a a real significant penalty for doing these things. But like it is a moral question as to why, like how is it allowed that an entity like religion, which is operates under a tax exempt status, which means it doesn't pay property tax, it doesn't pay local tax, doesn't pay income tax, state, federal, or local, can amass this much money because Essentially, like if you make profits in, in, in any of the fields, supposedly in theory, at least you're supposed to pay taxes on those gains to fund the public good. So if you're doing stuff like this, that actually accumulates that much wealth, you're not putting into the public good. Like you're not fulfilling your end of the social contract. Like, right. That's you're, it. Period. You're sp- it's tax free because you're supposed to use it to feed poor people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you're not like, like we, we, we talked about this, like during the all-star game weekend here and all that too, like the only church that was doing like warming stations for homeless people in Salt Lake city was the Salt Lake mission. And also like the Methodist church downtown, mm-hmm. like it wasn't any of the LDS churches. They weren't right. doing it in Logan where there isn't a homeless shelter, which is Northern Utah. It's where like Utah state is now that there isn't a homeless shelter there for 50 miles. The only church that's doing like warming stations for homeless people there, cause there still is a homeless population there is the Episcopal church. It's not the LDS church, despite the fact that it has the resources in the buildings that could easily do that. So like it, it, it becomes a thing where it's like, you're, you're not living up to your end of the bargain on any of this. Right. Well, that's because Jesus needs Dogecoin and Game, <laughs> GameStop stock. Yeah, that was this crazy story too. How like the LDS Church was hitting like the Wall Street bets, like the like subreddit a lot. I didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Mormons are posters, true and true. Crystal hands, baby. <laughs> In the name of the Lord. Um, I mean, honestly, destroying uh, short betters is god's work so yeah i mean so i mean again who among us <laughs> who you know cast cast the first stone yeah jeez. Yeah. all right the same story plays out every few decades despite church's commendable self-reliance and efficiency of its humanitarian efforts once again which it doesn't really show the numbers for those humanitarian efforts not, that, not just say. that but that just goes back to my episode that we had uh months ago where the state of Utah entrusted the Mormon church to handle its welfare. 
and there were there were a laundry list of stories of of LDS bishops basically holding people's welfare hostage unless they became members of the church and gave 10% of their income to said church, which sounds like a pretty insane racketeering uh, operation. Yeah, I know. Pretty, so, pretty, pretty nice kid you have there. Be ashamed if they'd starved. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So efficiency for humanitarian efforts. Living stipends for full-time church leaders are estimated to be significantly less than the salary of a member of the U.S. Congress and hundreds of thousands of dollars less than leaders of large public and private universities or comparable nonprofit organizations. I'm pretty sure like none of the clergy for the church, like especially like the high level ones are starving by any stretch of the imagination. Like to say that that's, Pretty funny, but like, and what's the what's the point they're making there? That like, well, the, the self like rich thing. people are bad. Which yeah, I mean, like, sure. Well, the self reliance thing is like the thing that's been retweeted ad nauseum on social media too, where essentially it's like, well, the federal government doesn't can't manage their finances, but the church can. Maybe we should put the church in charge of all that. It's like, uh, first of all, the federal government has to provide social services to everybody. The church is not once again the whole social contract thing comes into play like it's it's yeah. it's your fun false dichotomy stuff they absolutely kill for that but like many treatments of the church finances before it cbs rehashed so-called whistleblowers inference that the church funds were never used for charitable purpose that's quite a claim yet in the program taking up such a serious allegation it was striking that the wide range of these funds were perpetually used for by the church to fulfill its mission was never really explored at much length nor were the legal merits of the whistleblowers claims examined with much scrutiny once again five million dollar fine from the security exchange commission um, instead insinuations were made that the irs was somehow failing to act by not investigating the church out of fear of quote political repercussions the prospect that maybe just maybe the church could actually be fully compliant with IRS requirements for tax exemption was less interesting. That's the IRS doesn't go after rich people anywhere. I mean, right. Like, like, like that's <laughs> this is the, America dog. Come yeah, on. This is America. Like it doesn't go after, like we barely funded the IRS to like an adequate level this year, just to deal with like the deluge of calls that people have trying to figure out their own taxes. And for some reason, this is like the, uh, well, you know, the IRS is, if there was something wrong, the IRS would have caught it. It's like, hmm. Really? Because, like, I think every, like, super rich asshole in this country pays exactly zero dollars in taxes. Oh. Guys, if if there had been a crime, wouldn't the police have solved it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Listen, if there was actual white collar crime in this country, we would have stopped it with the FBI or the SEC or the IRS. Those three organizations that are well funded to actually go after white collar crime. Or we we fund every small town police department to have a tank to essentially just run right through someone's house because they heard there might be like an ounce of fentanyl in there. I, I just I love that logic because like you can't look at crime statistics and not like cops basically only solve a crime if they show up in the middle of it and catch somebody red-handed. Uh-huh. Like they catch you standing over a body, the murder solved. Otherwise, it's like, well, <laughs> sorry, you were murdered. Uh, <laughs> so like the idea that like at a tremendously underfunded like financial accounting 
investigation service, which if the IRS isn't really that, that part of it is, but like they did, they would catch you if you were doing something obvious is like so ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, have you get, has anyone met a cop? Like, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental here. I also do the bare minimum at my job. But like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, a- I would love to be able to like rack up, uh, you know, triple, for triple, around. triple yeah. overtime while I catch heart disease. But mm-hmm. listen, it's not, a- not all of us get to live such charm it, lives. It's yeah. a hard, dangerous job to play Candy Crush in like an empty church parking lot on a Tuesday morning. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I had a might stop me if you don't care if the podcast is running over or whatever i don't um, give a shit the uh my friend's house got robbed they live in a nice neighborhood with like gated security mm-hmm. and it was obviously like a planned job and the detective told them that well we can't catch the guy because we got defunded which <laughs> is like the opposite of reality their, their, their budget went up like 10 percent, right and also it's like well also they like this reform prosecutor who wouldn't prosecute this guy even if we caught him and it's like no no the that's the first lie is more egregious because you can google it in 10 seconds the second one is like more insidious to me because the point is to make you do is to, is to take away the overtime you get for doing bullshit to investigate cases exactly like this, where it's premeditated, they had a plan. These are professionals who will do it again soon. Uh-huh. We want to stop these organized uh, like rings, uh, bur- uh, organized burglary rings. So like he was lying in service. He's mad they took away his overtime for arresting people for loitering. So now he has to solve hard cases, and he's mad about it and saying he's no not going to solve it anyway. <laughs> awesome man! It must be awesome to be a cop. I'll be I'll be totally honest. Just like. Yeah, you know, you're probably not going to catch this guy because, you know, it's hard budgets, budget cuts. Sorry, man. Yeah. I uh, I said it on our last episode and I feel like it's prescient. So I'll say it again. But every time I like I have a conversation like this, I'm always <laughs> reminded of the Nick Mullen tweet where he says like, oh, sure. Look at you all saying a cap now. Uh What's going to happen when something happens to you and you call the police and they show up seven hours later to shrug their shoulders? At a certain point, like if I ever have to call the cops, it's pretty much like I just need a police report so I can file this in my insurance, please. Exactly. That's like mostly that. what they do. That's all they expect to do. That's why I don't catch anybody. Yeah, it's like I don't expect any more out of this interaction. I certainly am not going to get hope you're going to catch whoever did it. And at a certain point, I kind of hope you don't because like, I don't want someone's death on my conscience either. So like, whatever, just give me my piece of paper so I can file with my insurance and we can all go on our merry way. Yeah, that was literally yeah. I mean, the, the 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 only conversation I feel like I've had with a police officer in the last like five, 10 years have involved car accidents. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We have to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't call, I I called the cops once in my life and I regretted it. They just mistreated a drunk dude who's accidentally trying to put his key in my lock. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's, it's, yeah. Just unless I see someone like actively getting stabbed to death, I'm probably not going to hit the 911 for anything. It's like, right. My life's not in danger. I'm not doing it. It's not my problem. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. At a time when the U.S. government pays as much in debt servicing as it does for funding the military, it may also be worth celebrating once in a while a large service-oriented organization is able to balance the budget and achieve fiscal responsibility over decades. $150 billion. You're not supposed to balance your budget, dog. You're supposed to spend all your money. That's the whole fucking point. 
Remember when like Elon Musk asked like UNICEF how much money it would take to like end world hunger and, and UNICEF pretty much had like six to seven billion dollars. Well, the LDS church could probably do that 20 times over mm-hmm. and just chooses not to. <laughs> I don't want to. Great. <laughs> it, it's certainly fair to consider where a where best an organization should dedicate resources. And it's fair to debate how large of a cash reserve any organization should maintain. But there's good reason to believe the ratio of reserves is in line with the best practice for large global charitable organizations. How many large global charitable organizations have a reserve of $150 billion? The GDP of Ukraine. Isn't that like double the endowment of Harvard? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm... Cool. I'm baffled. I'm baffled by what these guys are think their job. Like literally, your balance is supposed to be close to zero at the end of every year, mm-hmm. or you haven't done your job. <laughs> Sensible people may disagree over these questions in good faith, but that's not the public conversation being fostered by these sort of stories. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised to see secular observers drawing a materialist explanations to make sense of. <laughs> That makes sense of what they witness in communities of faith. But when an entire organization is repeatedly cast in a suspicious light, it starts to feel more like a proxy battle over religion and its free ability to fulfill its mission within a secularizing and skeptical world. Wait, so he's saying that we non-believers cannot understand how it's holy to have $150 billion. Yeah, you know, we just don't understand the uh, righteous mission of that money. Right. Also, which is doing nothing but accruing more money. Exactly. Yeah. Just collecting interest. Also, buckle the fuck up for this sentence. As historians well know, this and other nations have a sad and troubling history of drawing on false stereotypes of wealth accumulation regarding minority faiths. Debate my nuts. Mormons of the Jews, as we say. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're saying that a sixty-minute piece about how you have a stockpile of one hundred and fifty billion dollars is akin to crystal knocked. I mean, George Soros does suck, just not for the other reasons people say. Sucks. Exactly. Exactly. So like, exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I like, know. I know that that. We joke a lot about how Mormons are weebos for Jews, but this is a little on the fucking nose. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like saying something like it's like especially calling yourself a minority faith when you have like been fully plugged into like the you're Christian. The, yeah, the religious conservative like movement, like to a certain extent. I, I'm like, sorry, made- but like. And I apologize for interrupting, but this is something that like absolutely grinds my gears and drives me insane is that when Mormons talk about being a religious minority, but you you tell that same Mormon person that they're not Christian and they will lose their minds. So sorry, you don't get to have it both ways. Yeah, and like like that's the thing. It's like you've made common cause with Catholics and evangelicals and the social movements of this country to try and stop abortion. And you've gay been hand in hand with evangelicals rights. for the last forty years. Yeah, like you can't really claim that one too if you're like if you have a sizable portion of like political movements in this country. You're in the Big Twelve now. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> as an from an outsider's perspective, like I was taught as a Southern Baptist that Mormonism was a cult. But also, there was no hate towards it because, like, you guys were all the way over there. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like I, I didn't experience, I, I, I didn't hear any anti-Semitism 
where I was from because there were no Jewish people. Like I only knew about, what I knew about anti-Semitism. I knew from watching Seinfeld. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna, like, we're, yeah, we're going to see how well this uh, keeps up once BYU and Baylor have to meet every single year. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. That's the start of the Civil War. Oh. <laughs> well, well, by no means. Okay, let's just finish. This. It shouldn't be conversations about faith and finances to be respectful enough of religious faith and practice to serious, con- seriously consider the plainly stated spiritual explanations for why they do what they do. You didn't explain why you have $150 billion. You just said, like, uh, we do some humanitarian aid every year, which we won't give you full account of what we do. And um, also... Uh, uh stop pocket watching yeah it's like the lord the lord works in mysterious ways right that's like yeah. it's just fiscally responsible to like you know exploit your parishioners for labor and also just like you know pocket all the donations we're gonna deeply <sighs> regret teaching the right the language of identity politics <laughs> honestly it goes like, both ways <laughs> right yeah it's, yeah, it's like this is prejudice. It's like, no, I'm saying you have 150 billion dollars. Like, all oh, you're picking on us because we're weak. You have 150 billion dollars. Yeah, you're not you're not weak <laughs> if you've got that kind of coin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We gotta do bodies and spaces, except for like a uh, entity worth uh, the GDP of like half of Eastern Europe. Not just that, but you literally own a state, yeah. an entire state. <laughs> you're oh, not small bean. Well, you by no, you have the same amount of senators as California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, by no means a recipe for boosting ratings that may guide America's own wandering eyes a bit closer to the truth. Uh, makes me so mad. False stereotypes. Of, <laughs> I'm so mad the, right now. The words "false stereotypes of wealth accumulation" are going to just like sit in my brain for a while too. It just like, you know. We've gone through so much, us and the Jews. It's like between the two of us, we have suffered so many calamities. What do you mean, you people? It's, it's like averaging me with J.J. Abrams, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like if you average us and the Jews, three millions of each Mormons and Jews have died, died in the Holocaust. Yeah, me, me and Michael Jordan have won a combined six NBA championships. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, on average, me and Victor Wimbanyama are six nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is this is fantastic. I love it. This is so rad. Let's, I love that. Cl- we, I love that these people are my neighbors. Let's close this out so I can go to bed angry. <laughs> Mark, where can honestly, the people find that's you? kind of the baseline of this entire podcast. I'm on Twitter at Mark A G M A R K A G E E. Yeah, but it Instagram Mark underscore AG, I think whatever whichever one you do like. I know Twitter's dying. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, hit us up with those blue sky invites once again. Don't add me there. I will just ruin it. It's like I. It's like adding me is like lowering like property values in the place because I'm the guy who puts like the washer on the lawn. <laughs> it, it's supposedly heaven because it's just pure like 2011 Twitter shit posting. Yeah, so I'm like please, I, please. Let me on there. I want to fuck around with no stakes. That's great. (laughs) I want to talk about who Alf is fucking. Right. That's all I want. That's all Twitter should have been is who Alf is fucking. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So actually do send us the blue sky advice so we can just relive weird Twitter's uh, heyday. Yeah. yeah, then as soon as the normies get on there, I'll leave there too. And there is stupid earnestness. The first, the first pink pussy had him out. 
Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. All right. Greg, you want to take us out? Yeah. Patreon.com slash Brigham Young Money. Thanks again to Mark for joining us. You can join us on Patreon uh, for just as little as $2 a month, which in this economy is dirt fucking cheap. And on that note, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. Your love gives me such a thrill. But your love won't pay my bills. I want money.